In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text today is from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Over the last year, our news has been filled with news of the coronavirus pandemic and the recent resurgence of RSV, stories about the sick, the hospitalized, the deaths, the overflow of hospitals and ICU rooms, lockdowns and ever-changing policies, the effect to the economy, the shortage of goods, resources and supplies, and much more. Then there are the reports of cyber attacks upon individuals and businesses that have cost people and companies millions of dollars, and also the compromising of sensitive data for individuals, businesses, and government. There was the condo collapse in Florida, the Nashville Christmas bomb, terror attacks across the world and in Afghanistan, and numerous incidences of violence across our nation. Plus, we have heard about various fires and natural disasters that have caused much destruction and death, such as the winter storm that caused massive power outages and burst plumbing in Texas and elsewhere and the multitude of fires burning in the West and all the land, houses, and forests that have been destroyed. Or the Category 4 hurricane named Ida, which left at least one million without power, flooded communities, caused gas shortages, destroyed buildings, businesses, and homes, and resulted in numbers of deaths which are still being counted. Lives have been and still are being lost, people injured, and property damaged. I haven't gone on to all the other kind of weather events or natural disasters. But there is one theme that comes out of the destruction caused by such storms, fires, attacks, and even the pandemic. Rebuilding. Now the questions may range from how do we start rebuilding or, or whether or not we should be rebuilding or what should we re rebuild or who will pay for it or how are we going to afford it given all our other expenditures. Yet the questions that follow such destruction and loss of life are always about rebuilding. From California to Louisiana, from Australia to Great Britain, at station, the news is always about rebuilding. During Jesus' time on earth, the disciples often wanted to know about rebuilding. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus, are you going to rebuild Israel now? Or are you going to set up your kingdom? Or are you going to rebuild what was lost? We often wonder why the disciples could not see that Jesus wasn't going to restore the kingdom of Israel like they envisioned. It seems like they just didn't get it. But I've wondered if perhaps they have understood Jesus better than the rest of us. Take, for example, today's text. The deaf and mute man was brought to Jesus for healing. 
Jesus takes this man aside and he restores his hearing and his speech. He rebuilds the man's senses, which have been impaired. The people were amazed and they commented on his making the deaf hear and the mute speak. In other words, this was just one example of the countless people whose broken body Jesus rebuilt. The prophet Isaiah, who we read today, foretold of how God would come healing the blind, deaf, mute, and lame. Here was prophecy coming true. Isaiah had foretold not only that God would heal, but he would save them. The disciples' question turns out to be very reasonable. Jesus, we've seen the signs. We know you are the one bringing the kingdom with you. Are you going to rebuild now? Are you going to restore Israel now? The people who saw or heard of the miracle focused in on the miracles themselves. They were amazing. Jesus did splendid things. But the disciples had begun to see the bigger picture. These miracles were signs. Signs pointing to the kingdom Jesus was going to bring. Jesus wasn't just going around healing because he could. He was healing because he was bringing the kingdom of God with him. Jesus came to establish his kingdom. But he wasn't yet bringing everything to fulfillment. He wasn't bringing the fullness of the kingdom with him. The disciples could see this and they wanted to know when. When will you rebuild everything? When will you restore everything? No question can be more relevant to us today. When will you return, Lord? When will the pandemic stop? When will the violence and destruction permanently end? When will the disasters abate? When will I get better? Or my friend with cancer or Parkinson's be healed? When will my dead father or mother or grandmother, my spouse or child, be raised to life again? When will you come and destroy death and disease and restore Eden, restore paradise? Almost every news broadcast reveals something was destroyed, someone was killed, or someone struggling with an illness or impairment. We want to know when relief is in sight. We want healing. We want things restored, rebuilt. Isn't that why Jesus came? In our text, we have a wonderful picture of Jesus sticking his hands in this man's ears and touching his tongue. It's like he's molding him, forming him so that he can hear and speak. It brings to mind Genesis 2-7, where God forms man from dust and breathes life into the man. Jesus is doing the same thing, only he's recreating this man. He's recreating his hearing and speech. He reforms the man with his hands. And then he sighs. It's the same picture of God molding man and breathing all over again. And then Jesus speaks to complete the miracle. Be opened! The man is healed. 
Jesus' actions are pointing to him as God come down in the flesh to restore man, to rebuild him. Mankind has been devastated. We were in ruins. Why? Because of sin. Because we disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. It was because of this disobedience that we were born into sin. And we add our own personal sins to this original sin every day. All our problems in this world, whether it be death, illness, natural disasters, violence, pain, and suffering, come down to our own sins. Now, this man was not deaf and mute simply because of his own sins or his parents' sins, as the Pharisees thought. This man was deaf and mute because there is sin. People today get sick because of sin. People die because of sin. It's not necessarily tied specifically to something they did. Rather, this is something for which we all share the blame. We all share the blame and the consequences of sin because we all sin. Because we all live under sin. All of creation has been affected by this sin. Paul reveals that the creation is subjected in its bondage of decay. He writes in Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. But in our text, Jesus is not judging sin, but healing. He's rolling back the consequences of sin. He's showing God's power. He's revealing why he's come. He's come not just to treat the symptoms like sickness and death. That's what the people are thinking. In reality, he's come to actually deal with the heart of the problem. Sin. He's come for the purpose of dying that we might live. He's come to go to the cross. On the way, he heals many people as a foretaste of the kingdom he is bringing. But his real work is destroying sin. His real work is on Calvary, where the great physician performs his greatest surgery to remove sin from mankind. On the cross, Jesus bears all of our sins. All the times we have hurt our brothers and neighbors, all the times we've tried to destroy other people's lives, he bears the sin that has bound us and trapped us and results in death. He bears our disobedience in Eden, which has colored our life to this day. Through his death, he pays for our sin with his perfect life. In so doing, he defeats sin. His surgery is a success. Through Christ, God has removed sin from mankind. He has taken care of the heart of the problem. As a testimony to his success, Christ rises again. And this, of course, brings forth the disciples' question in Acts. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is the time of restoration, of rebuilding now? The question is very reasonable. He has been in the process of rolling back the consequences of sin. The question isn't, will he continue, but when will you complete the restoration? Jesus answered the disciples, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, 
Acts 1, 7. He then sent them off to witness after the Holy Spirit came to rest upon them. The time was not yet, and even today we are waiting. As Paul said in Romans 8, 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Sin plagues us every day. Death and illness are all around us. We live in the midst of a dying world, a world we help to destroy, a world corrupted by our sin. It was into this corrupt and dying world that Christ came in order to heal it, in order to save it through His death and resurrection. He took care of sin. He took care of the heart of the problem. And He has promised to return and finish what He has started. Jesus told the disciples, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. John 14, verse 3. Jesus promises to return and take us home to be with Him. The bridegroom has prepared a place for His bride to live with Him. He has not abandoned us, but will return. Listen as Christ professes His love for you today. I have not left you alone. I have not abandoned you. I came to rebuild you. I came to reclaim what was lost. I want you to live with me forever. So I paid the price to restore you. I died to save you, to defeat sin once and for all. I returned victorious for you. I rose for you. For your sake I went to my father's house to prepare a place for you, a city where there is no night, no death, no sorrow, no war. No destruction, only life and joy and love. I gave my life to rescue from the hands of sin and death and destruction. You are in my hands now. I'm coming back. I give you my solemn promise. I will return to bring you home, to live with me forever, to recreate you as perfect forever. I have washed you clean in baptism. I have given you my spirit to strengthen and sustain you. Every day I give you my word. I give you my very body and blood. Taste my heavenly banquet and know you are forgiven. Taste and know we will enjoy it together one day. Christ has indeed rescued us from this world of sin and death. He has saved us from our own sins and from sin which entrapped us and wrecked havoc in our lives. While He has left earth to prepare a place for us, He has not left us alone. He gives us baptism to assure us of our forgiveness, to assure us that we are His and He will return for us. He also feeds us His body and blood in the Lord's Supper. These are means through which He connects us to His kingdom now, to His power today, and to His promise that He will return again and rebuild all things. 
he will come again and cry out, Be opened! And all the dead in Christ will rise to new life. And we will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye, putting off the mortal body for the immortal. We will all be recreated. Then we will together say, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. For Christ's victory will be as plain as day. Our hope fulfilled. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.